0: Good day listeners, this is your host Michael Martins with the Martins Critical Review, broadcasting early this morning from a pre-dawn day here in South Central British Columbia. Today's program features an insightful discussion about present world events and what what yet may unfold. We will look at both the physical and metaphysical reality of what we will all be facing and how to navigate it successfully. Joining us for this episode is Gareth Icke, returning for his second appearance on the show. Gareth is a truth seeker, a social activist, a rock star, an author, a former international beach football player, and a personality and presenter of the Right Now show, an uncensored current affairs news show on the iconic network. The Right Now show airs every Friday at 7 p.m. UK time, where Gareth speaks to guests from around the world on a wide range of subjects. His hard-hitting uncensored news and current affairs program highlights the people and stories of the mainstream media ignores and or silences. Gareth, it's an honor to be able to speak with you again today. Thank you so much for your time, and welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, mate, and thank you for for um, accommodating me by getting up at a crazy time in the morning. I appreciate wow. that.
0: No worries, mate. I'm an early riser. This wasn't too uh, too off the the usual uh, the usual. Uh, however, you know now with the the shortened day length, it does make it a little more difficult because it's uh, you know jet black outside. So, um, oh good. yeah. So uh how have you been keeping since we last spoke in April uh what's what's new and exciting in your world or or where are, you, where are um, things at for you
1: we had quite a cool summer to be fair we we the the covid narrative died in the summer Putin cured it um for a bit um, but they're ramping that back up now which is tremendously boring I kind of you know it's just like rinse and repeat um, so, you know, the autumn and winter are probably going to be quite boring. But the, but the summer's been cool, actually. Um, Iconic's gone from strength to strength, which is great for us to uh, to be able to reach audiences that we, we weren't reaching before. Um, and also because of a lot of the people that we had on earlier in the sort of pandemic, so-called pandemic era, um, they've gone from being whistleblowers that were silenced, talking to us because the mainstream wouldn't talk to them, to now being proved correct and then obviously getting a bit more of a platform. So, um, so what that's done is that's given us a bit more credibility as well. So there's people coming on particularly the right now show um, now that wouldn't have come on a year ago. They, they, they simply would have kind of seen the surname mainly, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I think also because, you know, there's a media narrative um, in the UK uh, surrounding the family really, um, which people sort of believe was true. Um, because they believe the media. Um, but then if I had a pound for everyone over the last year or two years, particularly that said, you know what, I used to hang on every word of the media. I used to read my newspaper and I used to think I was informed, and now I realize they were just lying to me. And so some of them don't then think, well, maybe they were lying about other stuff, but most of them do, and they look back at, at things that were said about us as a family and think, well, actually maybe maybe they were lying about that as well. You know, maybe they're not sort of these dangerous hateful conspiracy theorists and all this sort of stuff so so that's been good we've launched a new show in the news right now where we we take uh panelists that come on um and kind of dissect the, the news stories um it'd actually be great for you, for you to come on one time if you'd be up for it um just to get different people from different parts of the world to kind of look at news stories that you know the big news stories of the week whatever they might be that week and kind of look at actually well mm, this is what they mean by that and actually this is what this means for that and kind of, you know, follow the subplot a little bit where the media, the mainstream media don't do that. They just give you a big scary headline. Um, but but this kind of show sort of dissects stuff. Uh,
0: that's very interesting. And I, I would enjoy that for sure. And you know that's one of the reasons I reach out to you from time to time to get that perspective from a different portion of the world to bring it back to North America. Uh so that people it's it's a balance. You know, what's happening here? How are these people thinking and how are they interpreting events? And it, it gives
1: people a broader perspective. <clears throat> Definitely I think some areas as well are are like a testing ground, sorry, like places like Australia, New Zealand, you know, we can quite easily look at those areas and go, oh, man, geez, poor buggers. And then carry on with your day without realising actually whatever they try and push there, they'll just push it there first. If they get it to work, maybe they might need to tweak it a little bit. Okay, maybe the people won't comply with that. Okay, maybe we'll try this. Once they get a model that works, they export it everywhere. Yes, very much so, and and
0: I am I am very um, enthused that the, the the program and Iconic is, is growing. I mean, that obviously means that people's minds are uh, being turned on to the truth as opposed to the propaganda. So that's uh, that's heartwarming as well. I mean, all the best to you guys, and, and hopefully that continues. Thanks, mate. So uh, a couple of weeks back, there I was watching Charles great and adoring public, um, and I must at, at at the time it was one of the single greatest shows of humanity that I've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, we had hundreds upon hundreds of people of all different colors and ages and creeds lining up shoulder to shoulder. I think I saw maybe two or three masks there, uh, paying tribute to the new king. Now, you may not agree with the monarchy or the role of the monarchy, but I think this display was really positive for humanity. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I don't know. I kind of I, any kind of display of empathy is is sound by me. But um, I think the whole kind of monarchy thing is kind of strange. Because a lot of those people that were queuing up overnight to walk past a box um, containing or not containing someone they've never, ever met, they they probably wouldn't walk around the block for their own family. Um, You know, it's, it's a very strange kind of almost like a Stockholm syndrome, the way people are towards the royal family, and particularly Charles, you know, whatever people think of Elizabeth. You know, Charles has um, is, is become king. He's a very unpopular man, hugely unpopular in this country and has been for a very, very long time, not only because of the whole, you know, Princess Diana nightmare that was, um, but also the fact because he's very openly pushing the Great Reset with Klaus Schwab, has been very open about that. Um, he meddles in politics and gets involved um, when, you know, they're not meant to do that. Um, he's always pushing the climate change agenda. So he does rub people up the wrong way, you know. But then suddenly he becomes king, and, and a lot of these people um, were are all over him, and it's very very strange. Like there's one particular news outlet um, called GB News here. A lot of the presenters are, are on point. Don't get me wrong. A lot of them are not, but that's kind of that's the point. I guess it's balanced. But you know, some of those there was one particular show, it was a Dan Wooten show, where he was he was playing tribute to the king, and it was like God save the king. And in the same episode, he was dissecting the Great Reset, and you're like. Mm-hmm. How are you marrying these two things? Like this guy is is completely he is he's been in with Schwab since at least nineteen ninety two. Like that is you know um, readily accessible in terms of documentation, even photographs and videos. You know, like he, he's you know his his relationship there is is older than my wife. So he's he's been you know involved for a while. Um, so that was kind of strange to me. I didn't really understand how. Um, how people can kind of you know focus on one thing and ignore the other—it it, it seems strange to me. But um, the media also made quite a big point about the the royals. To be honest, um, the 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 kind of attitude on the street to mo for most people was you know a, a very wealthy, extremely wealthy ninety six year old woman died. That's sad when anyone dies, but you know lots of people die every day. And so it was very much not the kind of, oh, my goodness, attitude um, that the media put across, that's for sure. Mm, Right. So, I mean, you've
0: you've suggested that Charles probably isn't going to be the the monarch that his mother was. I mean, you know, Elizabeth seemed to be a statesman or stateswoman, I should say, and, uh, you know, presided over the country through a lot of very challenging times. Um, You know, and, and clearly Charles is... Uh, politics are much different than his mother's. So I think we're we're going to see something much different here with this uh, iteration.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, I'm not a fan of the royalty anyway. The idea that someone, you know, it has a God-given right to rule over others just because of who they had sex with or who their parents had sex with or whatever is, is bizarre to me. But the fact is, like, Queen Elizabeth didn't really annoy anyone because she didn't really say or do or have an opinion on anything. And so if you don't have an opinion on anything, you you don't kind of win anyone over that much, but you certainly don't lose anyone either. It's kind of like that sort of, you know, you play that middle role of, you know, it's a nil-nil draw basically. Whereas Charles, I'm sure will say things that he will have like, you you know, your climate alarmists will be all over it. But most people generally, um, you know, don't don't support him. Um, he's also massively out of touch. He's a bit of a bumbling idiot in a way that, you know, he, he doesn't read a room very well. So when he's talking about the climate and he was talking about, you know, uh, being more sustainable and, and eco-friendly and stuff he was saying for instance you know we should we should get these carbon neutral trousers these particular trousers that are um you know better for the environment and stuff like that you know they're 1500 pounds a pair but uh and you're like mate you've lost the room you've lost the room you know it's okay for you you know you you, you don't pay tax on your hundreds of millions of pounds that you didn't earn but at the same time you, you know by promoting 1500 quid trousers to people that are worrying how they're going to pay their the rent and the electricity bill it's not you're not winning the room over really so i'm sure he will he will you know be probably maybe the last king or at least the second last king maybe william might have a go but i think i think the monarchy is on the way out to be honest Mm. so you you believe it's time to move
0: past these traditions and and, uh, there's really no value anymore in having these figureheads
1: well i well it depends you know uh, for me i don't think you can have have it both ways. So either it is just a tradition, in which case you are just a figurehead and you're there for tourism and that's all. And that's how, you know, they try and sell it Um, in which case, fine, whatever. Um, But then you can't have that. And then also be getting involved in politics and, um, you know, issuing who, you know, who's the, um, who the, the the permission for who's going to be the next prime minister and all that sort of stuff. And everyone has to go and get onto a knee and bow down to you and all this kind of stuff. You can't have both of those things. Um, But I actually personally think that those that want the Great Reset, the the, the globalists, um, they wouldn't want a royal family anyway in the end. I think they've kind of served their their purpose for them because, you know, like you say, it's tradition. Um, And if you want to destroy... um, you know tradition within countries which they absolutely massively do they, they do that through mass immigration it's one way because you have so many different people that in the end you actually end up having no culture because everything just amalgamates into nothingness rather than actually celebrating everyone's individuality um so you've done that in a certain way with that um opening borders left right center all over the world but um um also you know breaking down the family unit this whole kind of woke culture that's done that um uh has, has has broken down traditional values and stuff and so you know a royal family is 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 distinctly british I mean, i imagine being in canada if you were asked to name five things about britain the royal family or buckingham palace or something would probably be in your top five at least your top ten um and so you can have that's something very british and i don't think they want british they want global so i'm sure that they will um will be happy to get rid of the royals to be honest yeah they they become another uh another
0: member of the useful idiot, idiot category really and and uh you know as a i guess the the positive tradition of the nobility would be to champion the cause of their country and obviously that can't happen in a globalist society so it is uh no. you know it, it, it is interesting that and i guess you know charles has never been an intellectual and so maybe he just misses the point here that his friend uh uh, Klaus is is actually ultimately not his friend and is just utilizing him as a as a pawn, right?
1: Potentially, yeah. I guess or, or he could you know be completely in on his on on the, the the downfall. I mean, royal families generally, you know, through history, whether it be the French royals or whatever, you know, they get you know taken out. They serve a purpose for a period of time and then they go. But those bloodlines don't change. They're just not kings anymore. They're just they're kings of banking and they're kings of media and they're kings of um, Hollywood and whatever you know, if you, they still rule the show. They, they just sure. they have to just do it slightly more covertly. That's all, um, and I think that's probably what will happen with the royals. I imagine if you if you rolled forward say a hundred years, if nothing changed, you rolled forward a hundred years mm-hmm. and you looked at who was in charge in positions of power in terms of politics and banking, they would probably go back to Sax Coburg uh, Gother. If you looked into their genes, I imagine. Uh, interesting, interesting. So I, I started
0: my week uh, last week um, with the uh, acceptance speech there of uh, Italy's new prime minister, uh, Miss Gloria Meloni. What do you make of this character? Is is she on uh, the side of uh, the righteousness and truth, or
1: is she yet another figurehead uh, that's here to dupe us? Um, I don't. I don't think she would be there if she was legitimate. If I'm honest with you, um, and what I mean by that is. You know, here in in Britain now, whatever people think of of Corbyn, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, I thought I think Jeremy Corbyn was was genuine and sincere, uh, misguided in t- at times. I think in terms of um, his abandonment of of those that wanted to leave the EU, but I don't think anyone could could ever really claim that he was, you know, uh, a globalist as someone that's in the club and stuff like that. But he he got a lot of traction and um, he he was doing very very well from from grassroots all the way up. And then the media and everyone that had a microphone basically destroyed him. And they they brought up smears. They did X, Y, and Z. They, 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 this whole fake anti-Semitism um, scam that they have now since admitted was completely fraudulent. But they used it enough to destroy him. All the lobby groups got involved. Um and he was destroyed from within his own party. And in the end, he's not even he's not even a Labour MP anymore. Um he stands, he's still elected, but as an independent, got booted out of the party. Um so for me, that's an example of what happens if you actually genuinely want to do something. Um he was speaking up on for the rights of Palestinians, for instance, which is a huge no-go in British politics. Um so then you 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 look at Maloney, and, and my attitude with her is, is like with anyone, it's okay, fine, so you're there. Do I trust that you got there without being in the club? Probably not, but I'll put that on the back burner and, and, and give you the benefit of the doubt that you're genuine. And so I would say, instead of the words, which he speaks very well, don't get me wrong, um, it's the action. So I look and I go, right, okay, you flip-flopped on it in the end, but you were pushing for green passes. You, you, you were pushing for them at early doors. Then as soon as you were elected prime minister, you swore your allegiance to Zelensky. That's a big red flag. Um, and uh, thirdly and maybe more importantly you're a fully signed up member of the Aspen Institute which is uh, funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation so those three things um, particularly the last one they go against the idea that you would be um, against globalism um, because you're literally in bed with I mean they've got to be up there in the top 10 biggest globalists around Bill Bill Gates and the Rockefellers you know so Again, the actions don't tend to marry up with with the with the speeches, but we'll see she might prove me wrong. That'd be
0: nice. Yeah, it'd be nice to see somebody step out of that fold and and uh, you know be, be a real nationalist. But uh, like you say, I mean, let's uh, let's keep an eye on her, and if she uh, disappoints us, well, it's uh, yet another one in the club, right?
1: Well, that's it. Yeah, that's the That's the most frustrating thing. Um, people lead you on a certain I mean, Trump's done well, he, he's he's kept the, the kind of merry dance going quite a lot longer than I thought even he would. But, you know, at the same time, you know, he he kind of led people um, over the cliff a bit. He, he came in as president. And then he, you know, he starts bombing Syria again, like the same as everyone else. And so actually, you then go, okay, all right, fine. Um, and again, the actions, you know, you could have pardoned Assange, didn't, um, you pushed the jabs on people that have now killed God knows how many people. And like I say, you were, you, you were bombing the Middle East. So you can say what you want at your rallies and have people, you know, you can have your, your red caps on and have people um, agree with every word you say. But then if your actions don't fit with the words you said, then it's all meaningless, really. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. So when we last spoke the Russians were still saber rattling and that's obviously that situation now has descended into an all out war. What do you make of the situation there?
1: What's what's really going on? Well, to be honest, I mean, you know, Putin's a young global leader as well. So I don't think there's any I don't think there's any winners in this, but I also think um, if you had to pick a side at gunpoint, point in terms of what, what side was more in the right, it, it wouldn't be Ukraine and NATO, um, which are the same thing anyway, because that's who's controlling Ukraine. Um, you know, people forget, and it's very, very interesting to me to watch this over the last few months for eight years, the Ukrainians have been bombing the Donbass. They've been murdering, um, over 14,000 Russian speaking people in, in those regions, um, regions that that want to be part of Russia, as they've they've just voted to be again, um, and so what's crazy is that the BBC was making documentaries on Ukrainians and and what they were doing um, in, in that area of East Ukraine. Um, there's a, a an actor here called Ross Kemp who went um, he went behind enemy lines with the Ukrainians. Um, they had a, a TV show went out on the BBC. In which he's interviewing these these Ukrainian Nazis and they've got the swastikas on their arms and all that governs and he says to them, What is your what is your goal here? Like and they say our goal is a war with Russia. That's our goal. Our goal is a war with Russia. Now the BBC put this out, you know, over the last eight years. And then suddenly, it's a conspiracy theory to say there's Nazis in Ukraine. They don't exist. And you're like, mate, I could, if I sign into iPlayer, uh, I can watch it. I can watch those documentaries that you aired where you're showing the Nazis and saying that they want a war with Russia. Um, and so, you know, in the end, you know, what, what do you do if you're if you're Putin and, and Russian-speaking people um, that are yours, you know, your, your, your fellow Russians um, are being bombed and murdered. I mean, we're talking, like I say, over 14,000 people in the last eight years. So, you're going to do something about it, um, and I, I said this today on my Twitter. Like I asked people the question: what, When was the last time that the, that the establishment in its entirety, and the establishment media in its entirety, was rooting for the good guy in anything, really? Mm-hmm. You know, but when it comes to this, oh yeah, you no, know, they're all on the side of Zelensky. Zelensky is the good guy. You know, the guy who was a stand-up comedian in one of the countries, one of the poorest countries in Europe, but amassed a wealth of over a billion. I don't, he must have some funny jokes, <laughs> you know, well, but no one yeah. talks about it.
0: No, there was a great article by uh, retired general McGregor that I read, um, that brought up some of these points, but also raised the issue that, um, you know, the Zelensky mafia is also a bit of a laundry for all of these contributions that are coming in globally, which a lot of those are moving back to America into the democratic, um, uh, fundraising campaigns. And uh, furthermore, there is no real measure, you know, if, if for per $100 million, how many of those dollars make it onto the battlefield? Uh, and that's a very small number. And I know, um, back in the Bosnian days, I had some, uh, the Bosnian war days, I had some friends, Canadian forces soldiers who saw, you know, UN planes landing with containers getting unloaded and, you know, essentially the general would phone his favorite arms dealer and that container was then put onto another plane destined for Africa or the Middle East. And it was just, uh, you know, complete corruption. And uh, even, even the officials in America admit that there, there are no checks and balances. There's no accountability for, for that money that's going over there. And I, and I think America, I've heard numbers anywhere from 67 to $80 billion. I mean, that's an astronomical amount of money that yeah. ultimately, again, you know, in this, in this hyperinflationary period that we're in, that doesn't help anybody, uh, you know, other than the
1: great resetters. Exactly, it's the same here. You know, Britain is just just handing over money um, when when Britain's on its on its ass. To be honest, you know, the the economy is is ruined. The pound's completely on its backside. Um, people can't afford to eat. You know, food banks are at the highest usage, and you're just f- throwing billions and billions of our money, of taxpayers' money, to a crook because that's what Zelensky is. He's a crook. Um, And, you know, talking to Whitney Webb um, recently, she was saying that they estimate, and this is a generous estimation, that around 30%, they say, um, of of the money donated by all these countries is being allocated anywhere. And that the rest of it, I don't know, could be going down the casino for all I know. It's, um, It's staggering, really. Yeah, that, and that's that's a
0: you know that might be a generous figure from from what I've heard. So what yeah. what are the what are the general feelings about this situation amongst your countrymen? You know, you're walking down the street on the on the on the subway or in uh, you know bars, pubs, this kind of thing. What's the are people believing the official
1: narrative or, or are they more insightful? Uh, it's a tough one. When it first happened, I was shocked, mate. To be honest, at not the fact that you know people on the street believe the official narrative because that's what they do but the amount of people within you know our movement for want of a better phrase that completely saw through COVID that just went bang Russia bad Zelensky good and you're like he's freaking serious he's serious these are the same people telling you this you know um, but they're starting to ask a few more questions now. Um, uh, but what was also really shocking, like the, the Ukrainian flags in bios on social media, that didn't shock me because that's just what's the latest thing. Oh, change my player, then you know that's fine, whatever. Um, but it was the amount of people that raised Ukrainian flags outside their houses. Like, and I don't mean like you know they would like put a Ukrainian flag out the window and then put the window down so they came. I mean, went and bought a. F- freaking flagpole and put and raised the Ukrainian flag like went on eBay Ukrainian flag is that it? no don't know what one looks like I'll oh, Google it find out what one looks like and they started raising them up and the village I live in I mean it's probably still two or three still raised now Ukrainian flags in a, in a tiny village in Derbyshire and and honestly if you went around there with a house with an atlas they couldn't point to it on a map they wouldn't have a clue where it was and they didn't know they do not know anything about it The Donbass what's that? Donbass was he a right winger? He used to play for Man United no it's not that um But suddenly it's like people are so invested in it, in something that, you know, where was your, I don't remember the Yemen flag, I don't remember the Syrian flag going up at all, I don't remember the Iraqi flag, the Afghanistan flag, you know, not at all, but this one's different, because they look like us, I think it's it's perhaps part of it, But, um, but that's extraordinary, but what's happened over the last couple of weeks is... One, people are realising that actually, you know, even if all my intentions are to give everything to Ukraine, I can't afford to because we'll die, we'll freeze to death here if we keep giving money. So this this doesn't work. Um, also, the fact that the media was saying, you know, Ukraine is winning, it's winning, it's winning. So people then started thinking, oh, okay, just a few more weeks of money then. And obviously, you know, that's not happening at all. Um, but also Zelensky is kind of stepped out of his box a little bit and got quite arrogant now. So he's taken to social media um and he tweeted, um, which is mad to me, mate, the fact that this is how politics can you imagine Churchill tweeting? He's mad how it's done now on social media, but 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 he um he tweeted at Liz Trust. Now now our Prime Minister basically they did this mini budget, it all went to shy, and then she disappeared and no one could find her anywhere for about three days. Um, and so it felt like she'd done a runner, but it transpired she was just talking to Zelensky because it's more important. So he tweeted basically saying, you know, we've had a, we've had meetings with Liz Truss and I uh, let her know that we expect to be given basically more money and more arms and X, Y, and Z. And so that word, we expect, actually, you know, it pissed off a few normies, to be honest, mate. It did. And, and the, the comments underneath it were, were, even from ones that still had a Ukraine flag in the bio, were like, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. What do you mean you expect? Like you have kind of you've gone a bit too far, really. Like British people, unfortunately, uh, you know, have been massively cucked over the last sort of two or three years, but only to a point. You know, in the end, everyone's got a breaking point where they go, "Enough's enough." And I kind of feel like that sort of arrogance from Zelensky, coupled with the Nord Stream attack, has kind of woken up quite a few people because as soon as the media told them that Russia did it. That, that set off alarm bells, because that doesn't make, you know, even even in the normal, I believe everything the state tells me brain, that doesn't compute, like, what do you mean? Like, it's, it's their infrastructure, they've already turned it off, but can turn it back on at any time, so that's a bargaining chip for peace for for Russia, you know, Russia annexes these areas of eastern Ukraine. Um They've got a bargaining chip. Look, so say Germany, for instance, that relies on, on, on gas coming in, you go, look, you, you recognise these areas and we can turn this on anytime you want. We can turn the gas back on and you can all have heat. In. Um, that, in the freezing cold months of winter, will be a bargaining chip because the German people would be looking to their government going, I don't even care about Ukraine anymore. Just, I'm freezing to death, you know. Um, but that bargaining chip's gone now because someone blew it up. Um, and the fact that they—it's blown up the day before um, a pipeline coming down from Norway into Poland is turned on, is put online. You know, it, it's, it's staggering. And so that kind of has, has opened a few people's minds a little bit, to be honest, mate. Because they're just like, now I'm being lied to. Now I know I'm being lied to. I don't know to what extent, perhaps, but I know I'm being lied to.
0: Well, and and Putin's reaction thus far has been interesting. I mean, given the fact that he's a totalitarian and, and and pretty extreme, I would have thought that as a retaliatory measure, he simply would have turned off all the pipelines to Europe, and made a statement that you know clearly and not without any blame. He said, "There's you know clearly some problems with our infrastructure, and for safety of everyone, we're shutting everything down to analyze and assess uh, the integrity of these pipelines, and we'll let you know when we're going to restart them." And that would have caused immediate panic across Europe. Um, that would have brought an end to this thing almost immediately, you know, within a matter of days or weeks, because you would again, have the citizenry industry, everything would have been screaming to turn those, to turn the pipes on. What is it going to take us? You know, what do we need to do to get gas flowing again? So I'm kind of surprised I mean, either something's going on in the background, which we don't know about, but, uh, thus far the reaction has been a bit strange to my, to me.
1: No. And also, you know, the the narrative here was sold that he was trying to take Ukraine, he was going to march on Kiev and all that kind of stuff. Whereas they made it very clear that it was about these four areas um, that were were full of Russian-speaking citizens that had been, you know, under attack for the last eight years. They made the point very simply that these were the areas that they wanted, and they're the areas that they went into. They've not marched into Kiev, they've not done any of these things now bearing in mind you look at the size of ukraine and you look at the size of russia i mean you know if he wanted to take ukraine have it right he could take it yeah, you know I'm if honest. it was if it was by if it was by any means necessary and and you know forget the collateral damage he could take it in in a heartbeat it clearly doesn't want to yeah. um you know again that that kind of is another reason i think a few brits have started saying well you know, hang on a minute, he has actually gone into that area, they're carrying out referendums, which obviously people are just calling a sham and whatever. But, you know, he's not trying to go to 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 Kiev and stuff, or Kiev, as it's called now. Every every, every supermarket's changed the packaging on chicken Kievs, they're called chicken Kievs now, which does make me laugh, because that'll help. Sure, absolutely.
0: So I think the war in Ukraine has definitely tested the renewable energy argument and
1: possibly delivered a knockout blow. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Um, yeah, completely that, uh, and also the whole thing is such a scam anyway. Um, so here in the, in in England, like my my energy supplier said that um, that claims to be one hundred percent renewable. By the way, one hundred percent renewable energy claimed that my prices were going to have to go up because of the price of gas, to which I question that because I thought you were one hundred percent renewable. Um, but it's all just an absolute nonsense. They 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 basically just pay off to offset those those um, those non-renewables so that they can say they're a hundred percent and it's like but that doesn't make any that that's like that's like me opening a vegan restaurant but using goose fat but because I paid the the, the geese society a few pounds I can still say to everyone it's a vegan restaurant when it's not um, but that's what the energy companies do here so they're still reliant on non-renewable energies um while saying they're that they're all renewable. Um, another great example of that is the Glastonbury Festival. Here, you had all these car charges set up, all these uh, eco-warrior people with tie- tie-dye T-shirts and blue air turning up in their brand new expensive electric cars, charging the cars there. This big virtue signal. All of those chargers were attached to a diesel generator. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> that's it, and it's, that's the that's the um, that's the climate cult in a nutshell. No I think that
0: the the nut the, the, the it's more of a nut organization than anything else boy that's that's a good one um <laughs> so what what is your uh, energy price at now you
1: mentioned your your carrier there what are they charging you a kilowatt hour well it went up to 200 pound a month um I'm not entirely sure what the kilowatt is actually uh but for perspective I was I was paying 68 before that's for gas and electric um now I went back to them and said 200 pounds and I said that is the limit I'm not paying any more than that. Now, the reason I did that, because I've got lots of friends and family members that just cancelled direct debits and just said, I'm not paying anything to stick up me backside. Um, but I try not to be quite so impulsive and I kind of just have a little bit of a look more into it. So I spoke to some people that had kind of worked within the industry um, and they were just saying, you have to be very careful with this kind of stuff, basically, that the way, you're tr- the way that the industry will treat someone, uh, bear in mind their lawyers are going to be a lot more expensive than mine, the way that they would treat someone that can't pay and the way in comparison to someone they treat that won't pay are two very, very different things. Mm-hmm. And actually by, you know, you've signed a contract with a company, so therefore by kind of, you know, just immediately severing that and saying I'm done, it's it, it's not quite as black and white as that. And obviously there's lots of, you know, um conversations about, you know, your birth certificate making you, you know, a corporation, and that's a whole different conversation, but but um but in this instance I was like Do you know what I'm going to go back to and I'm going to say I can, I can I'm going to pay this and this is the limit and they accepted that they took that just as these guys that used to work within the industry said they would they were said that because they, they're not going to turn it down they 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 would okay they will take that you say to them this is what I can pay and they will go okay and they did um so I've got friends that pay a hell of a lot more than me um that don't necessarily need to you know um Interesting. yeah so I've kind of I'm Friends, of this side of have, have kind of just deleted their whole direct debits and done with it and and on this side of of, of paying full price and i'm sort of somewhere in the middle because for me it's difficult if i was a single guy you know or even if it was just me and my wife i'd probably just pay it off yeah i'm not paying it and then so if they turn off the energy supply so i put a jacket on but when you've you know when you've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old it's a slightly different conversation you know um and i i haven't no doubt, because I I believe they, they manipulate the weather and they have done for a long time. Um and there's evidence of it um in the UK. They've been manipulating the weather here since the fifties at least, um, that's documented, um mainstream documented actually. When people listen to you talk like that, they think you're a conspiracy theorist. But here in um in the nineteen fifties, the the Ministry of Defense was was cloud seeding and playing around with the weather and it went wrong, apparently, or maybe it went right. And they flooded um, an entire region down in Devon, uh, which is down on the south coast. And they killed people, killed about 40, 50 people. Wow. Um, with mass floods that just wiped out an entire village um, because they were playing with the clouds. And you think, that you, if you're doing that in the 50s, imagine what you're doing in 2022. Um, so I believe they can manipulate the weather. And, and for, in that, I, I think this winter is going to be brutal. I really do. I really think it's going to be really, really cold because they're evil. The are evil people we're dealing with. And and you know what? Better than having people freezing, you know, it's, it's just okay. another way to, to pull down the population. For sure.
0: Now, I was interested to hear your new uh, PM Truss uh, talking about fracking and bringing back some domestic energy production in the UK, even though she clearly seems to be a, a World Economic Forum
1: sycophant. How do you balance those two? Well, fracking's not good either. You know, to be honest, you know, fracking uh, poisons water supplies. Um, and costs a hell of a lot of money for the little that you get out of it. Um, you know, we had fracking in the UK um, and we just had a series of earthquakes, which obviously you don't get earthquakes in the UK. Um, certainly not big ones that, that, you know, crack walls of houses and stuff. But we had a fair few and all of them were in fracking sites, particularly down in South Wales. Um, and, you know, poisoned water supplies and, and and stuff like that. So, you know, that's not a, that's not a great answer either. Um, when at the same time, you know, the village I live in is... Um, it's got an inland oil well. It was one of the first inland oil wells in Britain, actually. It's a garden centre now. It's a garden centre, and they um, they say that they at least probably well less than ten percent was tapped. So so but basically sat on a massive oil field um, that's been closed for decades. Um, and like I say, it's a garden centre, and so you've got stuff that you can use, um, um, but they don't want to. You know, you you have these organisations like Just Stop Oil. That, that come and cable tie themselves to stuff without realising that cable ties are made out of oil.
0: That's an inconvenient truth, isn't it? It is not it just. <laughs> so wh- where is this all headed then? What's the prognosis for Europe uh, and the UK for this fall and winter? Um,
1: well, what what they want and what they get are hopefully two different things. But, you know, it's always been about control. It's always been about that. I've been saying that since... You know the beginning of COVID when people say it's about money, of course, yeah, there is some that's a desire within the pharmaceutical industry, of course. But what does money give you? It gives you more freedom to control others. If you have all of it and they need some of it, then you know that, that can be used as a tool of control. But but mainly it is just about that. And so, you know, if I want to if I want to control people um, and have them, you know, do what I wish, then people that have their own income source, people that have their own houses, that's not gonna fly. Because they're not dependent on me. If you if you're dependent on the state, the state owns you. Um, you know that's what they say. Control. You know if you control the food, you control the people. Um, and that's what's going to be this winter. There is scarcity coming, and so the, they they will own the food. Um, and at the end of it, you know when people are so desperate and ruined, they will offer the solution, which is what they always do. Um, now as a, to give an example, you know obviously the World Economic Forum is pushing this whole kind of you will own nothing, but you'll be happy. You know, you'll own nothing and have no privacy but you'll be happy kind of stuff and you think you know if you own your house then what do you mean i'll own nothing i own my house it's mine but then i say okay if i say to you now right i'll tell you what sign everything over to me mate sign your house over to me sign your car over to me Stuff you can have it you still have it you still live in there with your family and stuff you still drive the car to the shops but i'll own it you tell me to jog on you go what you're on about but now if, if I manage to create a scenario in society where you're destroyed in the sense that you can't afford the mortgage anymore, you're defaulting on the payments, you can't afford the payments on the car, you can't even afford to put fuel in the car, um, and you're screwed. You're facing you know, the street. The bank come and take your house and you are on the street with your kids and your dog and your whole family. And then I come back and I knock on the door and I say, yeah, mate, that offer I made before it still stands. You sign everything over to me. You can still live here. You can still drive that car to the shop. And I'll even give you some universal basic income, so you can put a little bit of fuel in there—not too far. I don't want you going more than sort of five kilometers, but you know, enough just to go to the shop and back. You would probably take it. You would probably take it because you'd be like, "Well, it beats the street." And, yeah, and, and we, that's we, yeah. We're
0: we're hearing more and more of that kind of rhetoric here in Canada about debt forgiveness, and and it almost seems like a lot of this reckless spending um, that the, that these governments are making are putting the putting their countries into a position where they're essentially bankrupt or they're going to have to have some form of restructuring because the the debts are unpayable and uh you know if the government is going to restructure their debt they'll roll everyone else's forward and we everybody winds up with with zero or 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 worse than that because you know if you actually own your home already that's probably no longer you know there was a statement here in Canada that uh, personal property rights are not an inalienable right according to this you know this I forget the politician but uh, you know the the one of the, one of the cabinet ministers had made that statement i mean that's that's a that's a scary statement
1: yeah exactly and it, and it's the same everywhere it's the same everywhere the, the, the governments are uh, and the people that run them are a protection racket and what that's what kind of surprises me. Like I say this to people as an example. Like If you owned a bar and you're there and you're trading and everything's great and then some guys turn up and they want to buy your bar off you because it's what they want. They want to run this bar. And you say, no, I don't want to sell my bar. And then suddenly your bar starts getting firebombed and trashed and ruined and destroyed. And then these guys come back and they say, oh, God, this place is a mess. Oh, i still like to buy it off you. I I would go, I've got a suspicion you might be behind the firebombing of my bar, you know, just just a sneaky suspicion. But when it comes to this sort of scenario, people just can't see it. You know, the cost of living crisis It's not, it's the cost of lockdown crisis. And who implemented those lockdowns? Who pushed for them? Um, you know, here in the UK, there was no choice. You had the Conservative Party who were the government pushing these lockdowns. And if you wanted to get them out and go for a Labour government, Labour wanted harder lockdowns and longer lockdowns. So your choice was, there wasn't one. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's how it is. You take away the the freedom of choice, then what we're what, what supposed to do about it, you know. Um And the other thing as well is this with this universal basic income and all that, it, it will come with conditions, people don't realize that it will come with conditions. For instance, your vaccine status and everything else will need to be in check. You know, in China, with their social credit system, if you've not got enough social credit points, you can't go on aeroplanes, you can't go on trains, you know, they get the computer says no, because everything's digital. Yeah. So so you know, what if what if you've had too much red meat? I don't think you deserve that. And you go and try and buy red meat and you do I'm oh, sorry, I can't can't. The computer says no. Um because it's not good for the planet. You've used up your carbon points that month. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that, yeah. It's frightening people think frightening it's too, Yeah, they think it's too fantastic, but it's it's literally happening. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we're also hearing some rhetoric, especially this week here, uh that there's a possibility of nuclear war. Um, stemming from this russian conflict is that something you think is real or is that just more fear
1: um fear for me i don't i don't i don't see that happening i just think um you know m- most people which is which is hilarious really as as mortal beings because there's never such a thing as safety because you will all die eventually that's just sort of how it goes but people crave this safety and so here at least it's like they will they will give up things that are important to them if you would just keep them safe so with covid okay i'll give up my business i'll stay home all day i'll stick a mask on my kid and ruin the fucking mental health and everything else if you just keep me safe from this virus and then and then along comes putin okay yeah you can take all these tax uh tax pounds and tax dollars and whatever just keep me safe from nuclear war from putin um, you know, and then it'd be the same with the climate. Okay, yeah, take everything. I'll stay at home. I won't eat red meats on Tuesdays because I need to save the planet. Ultimately, because I don't want to die. So you've got a whole population of people that will give up everything to not die when the only guarantee in life is that they will die. Which is kind of mad when you think about it like that. Everyone everyone wants this safety. Um, and, and that's that's what they play on. So if you keep thinking, the, th- the thing is, what they're worried about is that people will start to stand up as they are, say, well, hang on a minute, there's a war going on over there where there is a disaster going on here. We need to look after our own country. We need to look after our own people. And once we've sorted ourselves out, sure, go help them and them and those across the road or whatever. Um, But nuclear war affects everyone. And so that's the whole point of it. If you fear nuclear war, then all of a sudden it's not over there because I know that if nuclear war happens, then that affects me and affects my family. So actually, yeah, okay, do that then um covid being the same climate change being the same is coming up with these 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 bogeymen that affect everyone or at least you know the illusion is that they affect everyone so again we're we're problem reaction solution i mean it's the the classic another classic example exactly that exactly that and and people are so tied to the narrative now um they're, they've gone so far. I think these people have gone. The people that buy the narrative, they're the ones down the rabbit hole for me, because they are so far into the darkness of it that anything you tell them that's not that's not you know in that realm of what they believe, they will they won't you know. It used to be oh all right tin foil hat, and then they would carry on with their life. Um, but now it's actively like no no no. I need to protect this. I need to protect this because if any part of this. You know, people who've walked around with masks on for three years. If if they had to accept the fact that it was all a scam, could you imagine having to process that? Yes. yes. You, you know, if if you if you were a, a a veteran that went to to Iraq and killed people and lost friends or you know and colleagues, then having to compute the fact that you went there based on a lie, I don't want to know that because that's too much. Because I've got I've got too much skin in the game, physically, literally. Um, to have to face that. So I don't want to. And anyone that says otherwise, I'm gonna uh, actively attack them. Um, and you know, I always use this analogy, and maybe I said it before on the show. So if I do did forgive me, but I, it feels like, you know, if a friend tells, if you if you me and you we're out drinking, we get together at last, we cross the Atlantic, we're going out for a pint, and you see um a friend of yours wife in the bar and she's necking another guy, and you're like, shit. Gareth, that's that's my mate's wife. Oh my god, right? You're gonna tell your friend because you're a good friend. You tell you tell him, by the way, mate, I went out for a few beers last night and I saw your wife with another man. Now there's there's a there's a small portion of people that will probably go, oh cheers for that, mate. Thanks for letting us know. I did suspect something's going on. Most won't. Most will attack you for telling them because they, they, they don't want to compute that the idea of it is too much for them no she wouldn't do that she wouldn't do that so what's the next best thing you've made it up why have you made it up you're always jealous of our relationship you're always there. and so they actively go for you and I, I find that you know when you talk about Russia I'm, I'm a Putin apologist a Putin chill, and I'm there like retweeting my own tweets saying look this is me saying he's World Economic Forum there's no good guys in this race you know like I don't know how more clear I can be the reason I'm being very vocal about Zelensky is because I'm trying to be an antidote to everything else, the whole of the mainstream media. And also, our money's not getting sent to Putin. So actually, this is a conversation we need to have. Um, same with COVID. You know, you point out um, vaccine damages and vaccine injuries. But if you're saying that to someone that's had three of them, or four of them, or five of them, and they've given them to their kids, well, they don't want to know that. They don't want to face that. Um, yeah. They'll have to They have to eventually, but, but, but they... They will they will face it kicking and screaming at you and me and whoever else is telling them. Yeah, and that, that's very
0: interesting how you've summarized that. I, I just recently rewatched uh, Yuri Besmanov's nineteen eighty three interview, and uh, particularly the point about demoralization and how once a population is demoralized, it doesn't matter what information you present to them; they will argue against it because they become so entrenched with their their learned behavior. And all of these beliefs that they've accepted that it's it's going to be very difficult for those people to step out. Like you mentioned, the you know, the guy that's worn a mask for three years, or the you know, the person who's vaccinated their kids with these these shots and these boosters and and you know, at what point and what do we have to do to unravel that within their brains? And you know, Besmanoff says that's a potentially a generational problem that uh, you know you have a this demoralized population that has been led down this path. It's going to be very difficult to
1: steer them back into uh, reality, a hundred percent. I mean, there'll be with, with the masks thing. You know, there'll be people twenty years from now still wearing them in the yeah. supermarket that just will not let go of it. You know, and it's funny, like um, because I've watched that 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 speech before um, about the demoralisation. Every time I hear people quote it or talk about it, I just think Joe Biden. What is what is having a president who's clearly doesn't know what day it is? You know, what does that do to you as a population that he's our leader? He is the best of us. Sure. the guy can't, the guy doesn't know where he is or what he's doing you know that 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 can't be doing a lot for, for the american self esteem either yeah yeah so you've kind of said earlier on here that you know the
0: covid is boring and and unfortunately it seems like many people are going to uh, bite uh the narrative again here um what, what are you hearing in the uk uh, you know are there are there more cases coming up again around, around here we definitely seem to have another wave of sickness um, that's affecting both, uh, primarily the vaccinated. And of course, I think before we got on air, we joked that, uh, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, thank God I got vaccinated or would have been much worse. And it's like, nah, you probably wouldn't have got it. Um, yeah.
1: w- w- where are things at there? Same here, really. Um, you know, vaccinated people are tested positive and being ill. Um, and from what I could see, unvaccinated people aren't, you know, unvaccinated people have got the sniffles, but it's, you know, it's October. That's what happens that's what happens every single year you know um, the temperature tends to drop pretty quickly it's quite strange in britain um where you will have summer and you literally i i know i do it every year i'll I'll literally step out of my front door and go bloody hell oh winter's here then like it just seems to, to happen like bang all of a sudden the temperature drops massively and um and so you know when that happens in terms of any sort of change temperature change people get the sniffles um, you know, all the kids go back to school um in September. And so um I saw to a teacher a friend of mine actually the other day she was saying that's what happens, September. You know, people come in with the sniffles, the kids all get poorly, everyone goes home, their immune systems are a lot stronger afterwards, and we all get on with our life and look forward to Christmas, but not anymore. Um, you know, and I saw an article in the New York Times actually, it said that um so I'm not proud of reading that rag, but you know. It said that, um, you know, flu and COVID are so similar that actually the only way you can tell the two of them apart are by having a test. <laughs> yeah, which which doesn't really test for anything either. So doesn't test for anything either. And that just says, oh, you know, yeah. if you have to have a test to tell you you have a deadly disease, um, it probably ain't that deadly, really. Yeah, that's right.
0: Now, it's interesting to note one of the other sort of highlights of last week was a press release that Air Canada uh, issued, very strongly worded. Um and it was coincided it was released to coincide with the removal of all the air travel restrictions here in Canada. Um, the press release mocked the government, uh, saying that the restrictions that were put in place were never justified by science or evidence, and acknowledged that air travel hasn 't always is safe. Um, I found this interesting because Air Canada received billions of dollars from the Canadian government, and it really seems that it 's biting the hand that is feeding it and and again is is this kind of a bit more of a pushback back on the narrative you know as the pendulum swung to its maximum extent to the left and we're seeing a pause and hopefully a a,
1: a return to center uh potentially in some ways yeah i mean you're always going to have people within any organization that are, that are genuine um you know not everyone that works within a government is is you know a cultist you know so they may well be good people at air canada that are making a legitimate point which it is which you know none of this has been based in science anyway yeah. it's absolute nonsense yeah. um but you know the, to to talk about the pendulum swing though it does you know that's that concerns that is concerning a little bit in the sense that i was talking to a guy called neil oliver uh we're making a walking series and he's a historian um by trade he's now very much a, a political commentator but he's um He's a historian by trade, so we spoke about the Battle of Stirling Bridge and um, William Wallace, and we we went up to Scotland and we had this interview. And while we weren't filming, we were just chatting about the world, basically, and how bloody mad it is. And he was saying that his concern in terms of wokeism and this whole sort of far-left agenda, he said, "Um, it's not even really that. It's what that does to the pendulum swing, because if you push it so far one way, it doesn't come back to centre. Like that's not that's not how the momentum works. That it goes the other way, and that actually this this whole kind of woke ideology, whilst it is very very dangerous, particularly for kids, um, to counterbalance that, people will will it will almost send the pendulum the other way, um, and that's not good either. Um, and so that was quite an interesting point he made, and I kind of I, I look into that now. Um, you know when I see things and I think you know how can this go in terms of the other way. Um, you know, and so, uh, for instance, I, I look at stuff where you 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 know you have, I, for instance, I spoke to Gays Against Groomers as an organisation, and they were saying that this whole ideology um, has gone so far that actually the acceptance of LGBT people is actually lower than it was ten years ago. Now that's crazy because you think, yeah, but it's everywhere now. Like surely there's more acceptance. It's like, well, no, it's not. It doesn't work like that. Because you have the absolute lunatic fringe of 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 that group which is now getting a microphone um, and you know can you know'm I, I, I'm, I'm a woman because I say I'm a woman, um you know, a floral dress and a beret pink beret all of a sudden that's womanhood womanhood's a costume change now, yeah. and so that's that's gone too far and so she was saying she, she she's um, she's a lesbian and she was saying now we're getting more grief because the rest of our Community, for want of a better word, um, is is now in the gun sites of people that are actually genuine people that that kind of uh, have basically kind of amalgamated the two, the, the insane fringe and the group. They kind of put it all as one and lumped it up, uh, which it isn't. Um, and so, you know, that was quite a, an example to me of that whole pendulum swing that that could come back the other way, and you could end up having gay people attacked um and, and and in the street and, and and people persecuted for their sexuality again you know like that could come back as an answer as a pendulum swing back from this insane uh woke um ideology and gender ideology and stuff so that's a concern if that was to yes. happen yes yes
0: yeah and i'm not sure that we're going to get there because i think there's there's some inertia and some friction of uh, battling all of this uh, agenda. I hope so, mate. You know, that it's, I think we're going to get somewhere right to center, and that's probably where we need to be. Um, I don't th- I you know I hope we don't get to that far you know we don't want to be at the extreme of anything extreme anything is extreme and doesn't really have a doesn't serve the majority of the people right yeah. so shifting gears here there seems to be a strong movement uh, in the United States now towards the creation of a central bank digital currency uh, and I, I've learned that the Bank of England is in the process of swapping old paper notes for plastic which obviously is an interesting exercise to flush cash from all of its hiding places what are your thoughts here this, essentially just more control. Um, what What is the underlying purpose of all this? Yes,
1: exactly that. Exactly that. C- computer says no. Um, a digital currency is what they want. Um, I think it's what they wanted for a long time. It certainly ties into um, into the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum's vision of our future and stuff. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe even... So, see, COVID, they pushed the whole narrative that that you could spread this virus by using paper money. So people stopped using it as much um some shops and, and outlets stopped taking cash for that reason and they never went back to taking it mm. so cash cashless places are, are more common now I, I boycott them as best i can but they're um they're far more common now and what what they did throughout covid is it's like a behavioral change it doesn't take long you know for for people to get used to going Boop. you get know, that's their thing now so so then with that you create an apathy where you go up well, we're going to take cash people go oh you can't take cash but then the majority will go why i never used it anyway, I don't, I don't use it i've used cash for like two years or something and they have this kind of yeah but you have a choice you know and and you know try and get that through to people that actually as soon as the choice is gone you know the, the goalposts are moved yes it's easier boop, to go like that but at what cost yeah. um you know i mean i remember when i was younger when when sort of contactless kind of came in People were actively against it, especially like on a night out. Like, you would go and get your cash out. You would put that in your wallet. And you would be like, I can't. No, I'll use cash. Because I know what I'm like. You know, especially after you had a few beers, I'll get this round in. Boop, boop. The next morning, you're bankrupt. You know, and you're like, I'm in my overdraft." Shh, how much did I spend last night? And so people would actively not do it. You know, they're like, no, no, no it's dangerous. Um, and that was when a limit was 20 quid. Now a limit in England is 100 pounds. Boop, 100 pounds. You can spend it like that. No. Nah. Right. Without even without even typing in a number, just boop, and it's hundred quid gone. Um, and so they're normalising that because that's what they want. They want they want a cashless society. Um, and you know, unfortunately, it's it's something that's getting closer and closer and closer all over. Um, and another thing which is which is kind of quite worrying is um, I don't know if you remember with with Cyprus when they had bail-ins. Um, so I think anyone that had over three hundred thousand in the bank, um, they just took it. Um, and people looked at that and went, well, if you've got that much money, that's fine, isn't it? But it's like, you know, I was talking to a guy called Dan Tubbs, who's um, a former um, um, financier who's, who's now runs a podcast. But he was saying that, well, actually, some people had just sold a house. Yeah. And, you know, they were going to buy another house and bang, money's gone. Brilliant. Because the government can basically just take it, you know, the bank can take it so to bail itself out. You know, so it's a bail in, you, you know. And um, so I so one of the questions I asked him today, I was like, is this a very real possibility in Britain? That you can have a bail in um, because of you know, the way our financial system is at the minute. It's on its ass. And it's, it doesn't really look like there's any way out of it because the debt can't be paid. So you can't pay the debt off. If you default on the on the debt, then, you know, you're screwed. Um, so the other option is he was saying to inflate your way out of debt, which, again, doesn't work. Um, so he then, you know, he's there on his laptop. And like, well, let me have a look. And it was from July 2021. The Bank of England talking about bail-ins and how they would possibly do it and and in, and how it would look when they did it, if they did do it. And you're like, good timing then, you know? So I think that's, that's something else. It's a very real possibility that you, you will one day just simply your money will be gone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, those, those are good examples. And, and that's something that I've been warning people of uh, here in Canada that at some point, you know, a, a bill will be released quietly that says, uh, you know, it's your patriotic duty to contribute 10% of your, of your savings, uh, maybe beyond a certain number, which is probably going to be a low threshold, ten thousand or twenty-five thousand, something like that, um, to you know assist in the COVID recovery and blah 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 and on and on and, and you know that's if it's sitting there, you don't have control of it, right? Um, exactly. You mentioned your uh, economic situation there and and the devaluation of the British pound, which I guess is at historic lows here. I uh, spoke with a colleague there in the UK and and he mentioned that there might be a political connection there that uh, some of the cabinet members have actually kind of sold. The country out uh hedge fund folks and that uh nature what have you heard 100, there
1: 100 percent. so there's actually mainstream media coverage of this which i was kind of shocked by to be honest um but the more i look into it the media moves as one so the next government of britain is a labor government that's what they want you know because with Keir Starmer, you would get, not only would you get the, the the same level of fascism, basically, in terms of restrictions and control and totalitarianism, but you'd also have wokeness. You know, he, the guy's on his knee more than anyone I've ever seen. And, and he's, you know, he's got his welding mask on all the time. He's, he's you know, a real woke guy. And the party is the party of wokeness, Um this, this is a party that had a, um, a conference where they charged um, white people more than uh, non-white people to go to a conference. Okay, This was about three or four years ago, maybe a bit longer, maybe five years ago. This is the kind of party we're talking about. So they, they want them in control. So they're probably quite happy to reveal some things about the Tories at the minute. Um, I think if the Tories were... The, bear in mind, they've been, the media's been protecting the Tories for the last 10 years. They get away with murder now all of a sudden they're exposing stuff and i always think well, there's a reason for that but anyway um liz truss um and the uh, chancellor of the um exchequer um had a dinner which was hosted and uh, by them and um was um a bunch of hedge fund managers were invited to this um to this soiree um and within 24 hours those hedge fund managers well less than 24 hours those hedge fund managers had pulled astronomical money amount of money um, out of the pounds out of the pound and had basically shorted it they shorted the pound now i very much doubt that they were talking about football at that meeting um while they all sat around drinking champagne on taxpayers money but they um yeah they just they just pulled it all out and so the, the pound shorted and obviously they buy it all back later at a lower rate and and they're laughing, but what tends to happen, obviously, is, is a normie like me or you that, that kind of has a little bit invested in a pound, if we do, I mean, I don't, but if you did, you would look at what the hedge funders are doing, and if they're all pulling out at once, then you start, oh, shit, like, what do they know? Right, I'll pull it out. Let me pull it out. And so then, you know, you, you pull it all down, same way you know, how Soros made all his money. Um, they did the same here to Northern Rock a few years ago, where some secrets were told about how Northern Rock was... It was basically on its backside and it was going to collapse. I don't personally think it was ever going to collapse. Um, But that was what was put out by the media. And so anyone that had their money with Northern Rock just went and queued up at Northern Rock and took all their money out. Obviously, they don't have that money. You know, a bank never has the money in the vault that it has on the screen. And so all these people pulled all their money out. And so Northern Rock did then collapse, you know, but it was created by that. And then what happened is Richard Branson... Um, a friend of Epstein, um, went and and bought up Northern Rock for pennies on the pound and it's now called Virgin Money. Um, you know, uh, it's a similar sort of thing. Um you whatever was discussed at that at that meeting, they they were they were given, they were privy to something. Um that's for sure. Um and like I say that there's a mainstream media, Fortune magazine was talking about it. Um pretty sure the Daily Mail as well was talking about how there's going to be an investigation, but I won't hold my breath.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what's the word on the street then in the UK of the terms of the average citizen? Are 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 people converting their fiat currency into precious metals or crypto, or or what are folks doing? Um,
1: people that have got a few quid are trying to do things like that, but most people got no money, mate. To be honest, you know what I mean. The the average guy on the streets lives hand to mouth, and has done for years, really. Um, But COVID, that whole the lockdowns and everything else, has just taken that to the next level. Um, and then the energy prices have, have, have you know, kind of swept up who, who who else survived. I mean, to give you an example, so I went down to the Isle of Wight a couple of three months ago, um, spent a couple of days with my family there, and we went to a village pub. So it's got a nice little play area in the garden for the girls. And so I'm sort of sat there on a swing with my youngest, and this fella comes over, and he's all right, mate, how you doing? No, sorry, he goes, all right, guys, how you doing, mate? So I went, awkwardly, I went, all right, mate? Like, you know, that awkward thing when you don't recognise someone, but you have to pretend that you do. So I went, all right, mate. And he went, you don't recognise me, do you? And I went, I'm a shit liar. I went, I'm sorry, mate. No, I'm... I'm..." And he went... And he said his name. And I was like, what? Now, I probably... It's only probably three years since I've seen him, if that. Now, he used to play in bands when I did, so we'd tour together occasionally. He had big, thick red, like, ginger beard and long red hair, right? Quite a striking look, bass player. And um, grey, completely grey. Right, he's younger than me and, and and it's just white hair, right? And I was like, oh, obviously I'm not very well. Yeah, not hiding it very well. Like, my God. And he went, This is what stress does to you, mate. And then he started talking to me. So he's saying basically he owns this place with his brother, this um this bar, this uh, restaurant, bar, pub in the countryside. And he said basically they survived COVID. I don't think brother his brother was so much on the same page as him, but he was on our page in terms of the Rona. So he implemented as much as well, basically, as little as he could get away with in terms of COVID rules, really. He would kind of let people do it, do what they wanted, but he'd have the odd rule here and there. So if he did get a bedwetter come in, then it could, at least he could look like he was doing a bit, you know. And what happened? Is he said, We did really well because obviously people don't want to live in China, to be honest. They're quite happy coming to the pub that's, that's you know, not going to take all their data for the so them to have a pint of beer. Um, he said, So we managed to get through it. He said, Then obviously, then the energy stuff's here. And I was like, Well, how bad is it for you then? And I didn't realize that there's caps on energy prices in the house. So they can only charge me X amount. But with a commercial setting, they can charge what they want. Like They can literally charge what they want. There's no cap. So he said, I was paying £600 a month in electricity. He said, now I'm paying 2800 a month in electricity. Wow. He said, I can't absorb that. Like, that's meat done. He said, so we're looking at selling up. I'd, I'd probably give it three months and we're out, like we're clean out. Um and I was like oh my god mate I'm so sorry but then I just thought about it I was like now that doesn't make any sense to me like as a businessman as a ca- if you're a capitalist then you say like you can, you can fleece a sheep as many times as you want but you can only skin it once so I go right so I'm charging him £600 a month that's £600 every month that I get in my, in my pocket now if I charge him 2800 quid, okay I'm going to get that for three months and then he's gone and then I'm not getting anything so I would look that if I was a you know a businessman and, and exploiting people, but wanted to keep exploiting people, I'd say, why don't we charge him eight hundred pound a month? He can probably just about absorb that extra two hundred quid. Okay, eight hundred pound a month, and he will begrudgingly pay it. But he'll begrudgingly pay it every month for ten years, for twenty years, or whatever you know. So in terms of a business model, destroying the people that are paying you doesn't make any sense to me. Which then makes me think, well, then there's more to it than that. It's it's you know it's it's like a cancer. It it, it destroys its host, but well, then it destroys itself. That's ridiculous. That's not very. That's not a particularly smart way to do it. You know, and that's what made me think. You know, this whole energy thing is completely manipulated. It's meant to destroy him and his business. You know, it's not about just getting a few quid. It's, it's meant to destroy people, um, and he is one of a, goodness knows how many people uh, that are in that same position. So, I've gone on one. But to get back to the original question. Most people aren't buying up anything because they don't have any money, to be honest.
0: Interesting, interesting. So um, shifting gears here, your uh, father's latest interview with Mr. Rose, um, he made a very profound statement uh, that really resonated with me regarding the destruction of self-respect by the way these COVID measures. Uh, Do you agree with these statements and do you have anything to add uh, to that whole philosophy
1: there? Well, it's very interesting, actually, because... I was doing a podcast with my mate Rich called What Aff and and we were this was around about maybe June of 2020, and I'd stumbled across this Biderman's chart of coercion, mm, yes, uh, this Amnesty International thing, and that then that says it. It was one of the charts of, of of how they can coerce people and also how they can break down. It was all about prisoners of war, destroying prisoners of, of war basically, and one of them was was meaningless tasks was to get people to do stupid things that they know are ridiculous, but if you can get them to do it anyway. It's the equivalent of the cowboy shooting at the feet, dance, dance, you know, that sort of thing. It's just completely demoralising people. Um, And in the chart of coercion, it says when you break down that, when you demoralise, when you break down that self-respect, people are much more malleable because you don't have that. And I'm not doing that. Shut up, I'm not doing that. I've got some self-respect, mate, you know if you've got no self-respect and someone says, take your trousers off, you go, who oh, are you take your trousers off, you've got self-respect, you go, fuck off, we on on about Like, no, obviously not, you know. Lick a battery, no. Um, but that, so that is, yeah, I think that's massively part of it. You know, they got people to, to do ridiculous things. To, to you know, sit in a restaurant like this and lift your mask up for a mouthful, and put your mask down. I mean, what kind of, who's, people did that. Who, I, I saw people walk, to, a, to a, a door of a restaurant, put a mask on, walk in, sit down, take the mask off, chat amongst themselves. Hey oh, mate, yeah, can I have two more lagers please? Cheers, love, thanks. For an hour, and then go home to go for a wee. Put the mask on to go and have a wee. I mean, you, you, I saw people, and I was honestly, the amount of times I was sat just looking at people out, like, I can't believe they're actually, I can't believe they're doing this. No. Um, but they did, they, they just broke people and then when they come along with the next thing like russia and ukraine and climate change and monkeypox whatever else the next thing is people are, are already destroyed so they're a lot easier to to you know to 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 get to agree to ridiculous things
0: yes yeah. and we we covered the uh, Bitterman's chart of coercion on this show at length with a uh, i think a 17 or a 20 year veteran of the canadian armed forces uh, James Topp, who's uh, on a march across Canada, uh, and if you're interested, I can connect you to him. He's a great man. Uh, we've become friends since, and uh, you know, he was he in the latter stages of his military career, he was being trained how to train soldiers to resist captivity, and the, you know, this since the the uh, Charter of Coercion was developed uh, from information received from the Korean War. And subsequent conflicts. And and this is a, you know, it is a pattern. And when you look through it, it, it's literally yes, 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 yes. And just check, 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 check. And, you know, we're living in this giant social experiment. And, and, uh, you know, again, it's I guess the uh, when we get into these demoralized people, it's difficult then to think. So my next question then. Is to those people who may have suffered this loss of self-respect and, and were coerced and duped into this this uh, chronology of events through the Bitterman's chart of coercion, how can they rebuild themselves? What can they do to to regain the self-respect? Uh, in your opinion,
1: um, God, good question. Um, forgive yourself, I think, is is part of it. You know, I know a lot of people that that kind of you know bought narratives. Um, you know, even down to having two of these bloody shots um, and then realised, and they feel like absolute idiots and they beat themselves up about it. I've got one particular friend that, that took two shots to go on holiday, didn't really want them because didn't feel that he needed them, but took two to go on holiday, holiday got cancelled, couldn't get to go. And I think he kind of thought maybe me and my brother and a couple of us other guys were kind of, not not mad and wacko, but maybe going a little bit out there with our... Comment, comments surrounding covid and stuff and he sent me and my brother a, a private message like th- like a three-way chat thing on whatsapp just saying guys like i'm fucking i'm sorry man like i didn't believe you guys I, I you were totally on it and i was just a coward and all this sort of stuff and i was like dude like mate like it's th- we're all on the long road to the middle mate and everyone gets to certain places at a certain time and also it's very different you know the view is very different from a different rung on the ladder like I can be one more rung up on the ladder because I've been doing this for longer for a start um, and you know I've been surrounded by this information when you haven't been so I'm one step higher than you on the ladder but that's only one step on the ladder but at the same time what more can I see by being one step higher a lot more But that doesn't mean you're stupid because you can't see it it just means you're not aware of it yet you know come join me one step yeah there you can see it wow there you go and now you're on the same um so that would be part of it, I think, would be to forgive yourself for that. I mean, we all it happens. Like, don't beat yourself up about the fact that you got duped. Mate, it cost billions and billions and billions of pounds to dupe you. It, it cost the best behavioural scientists on the planet because that's what the governments were being advised by, particularly the UK government. SAGE was was advising government on everything. And you look at SAGE, they're behavioural scientists and psychologists. they They knew what they were doing to get into your head. So... Okay, yeah. So they got you, but now you're out of it, and so now you'll know better for next time. So that
0: that's uh, some self love that people need to express, and then that you know the community community amongst uh, just you know man to man, human to human. It's that that love and forgiveness and um, uh, the empathy.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And that is, is what I sincerely hope. I mean, it's difficult because like. You know, I think I made a joke about this before. You know, with with a name like Ike, I'd lost all my norm fr- normal friends years ago. So that you know, long before COVID. So um, I didn't go through the same stuff as a lot of other people did, who who saw through the narrative and lost their jobs. They lost loved ones. They lost husbands, wives, your family members, friends, uh, social circles. My mum lost her whole social circle basically um, because they all bought it and they were very very against her not buying it basically. Um, So I didn't have that. So, you know, so you have my ultimate sympathy, you know, I I can't, you know, um, judge people that went through through that. But at the same time, I just hope that we can reconciliate that there is a reconciliation between different factions within this dynamic. Um, You know, I know a lot of people, perhaps some that I've just mentioned that lost more, will be more demanding of apologies. And, you know, verbal reparations than I will be I'm not bothered I don't need an apology for calling me a tin four hat uh grifter granny killer (laughs) all that sort of stuff it don't bother me but you know some might well want apologies for that but um I just hope that we can reconcile because in the end you know it's all COVID was just another way as well another part of that was to divide people and keep people apart and, and and arguing amongst themselves you know, I mean I saw arguments with people that, that were that were wore two masks and, and one mask. You know, you should you should double mask. I think that's a bit too far. I just wear one mask. No, you need to double mask. Mate, I'm waiting for the argument between the, the twelve masker and the eleven masker. You know, it's it's extraordinary. Yeah. But they create these divides and you know, people need to realise that I, I say to people, are you in the one percent? Are you are you part of the global one percent? And they go, no, of course I'm not. Right. Well, you you you're not on the winning team then, mate. As the, as the game is meant to be played, you ain't on the winning team. So you can argue with me and call me names if you like, um, or we can join forces. And that's got to be the way forward for me. I think that's a much better way of doing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and it's you know it's interesting you say that your mother went through that experience. Uh, you know, mine has had the same, and uh, you know, it's it's just beating your head against this uh, hard wall of of cognitive dissonance. That uh, you know, I guess the really the only way that this is going to change is is through the people who didn't buy the narrative, assisting and welcoming those that did to the other side and and you know some of them aren't coming across you know they've made their decision and uh it's it's you know probably for some of them going to be a final decision based on their health status which will only continue to decline so uh, i do feel that all of these challenging and dark times that we've experienced here you know for for quite some time that really have reached a crescendo over the last couple of years Uh, are paving the way for a new golden era of humanity Um, that, you know, if, if we learn these lessons and we evolve through this, that the, the future for us
1: is very bright. Uh, Would you sense this as well? Yeah, I I, I agree completely. And because I think as bad as it is, the the best people have been through trauma, the most intelligent experienced people that can offer the best advice um, and, and, um, you know, offer the the best solutions tend to be those that have been under some form of trauma and duress. Um, You know, I I saw quite a few in the end um, psychologists having this whole conversation about why did some people basically see through the COVID narrative from March 2020, from the beginning, uh, and others, you know, you were looking at December 2022 and they still couldn't see through it. You know, what the hell? I'll explain this. And they were making the point that it, there's strong evidence to suggest those that have been through trauma, whether it be physical, mental, sexual, um, you know, uh, have the ability to see through stuff more. Like they're, they're, they're more open to things, um, basically, because they can accept the fact that the world can be mean because they know it can. They've experienced the meanness, you know. And so those that have maybe been mollycoddled and, and you know, uh, need a safe space when Hillary loses, you know, Um that actually, that those kind of people that that have that trauma um, are on a on a better level, a better standing to understand reality, basically. And if you think like the last three years, I can't think of anyone that's not been under trauma of some description. You know, we've all been battered um, from all sides. You know, even those that that were agreeing with with restrictions and all that sort of stuff, they 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 may well have agreed to getting battered, but they still got battered. You know, they they still lost livelihoods, they still locked themselves in their houses for months on end. They they still missed out on stuff, you know. So everyone's everyone's been a victim of trauma in the last two or three years. Um and I think that makes us stronger. Um, as people, for sure. You know, you win some, you learn some. And I think a lot of people have kind of started to kind of open their eyes to to the possibility of more now. Yes, very good. And so any advice then for people
0: as they make this shift towards this new golden reality? Are are there any key pivots that people need to make or in their thought processes or how they're engaging with the
1: world? Um, For me, find your tribe. Find your tribe. Um, Find people similar to yourself. Um, That was so important during um, the the lockdowns. Um, I saw it so much at the protests where... People had lost everything um in terms of social circles or whatever, which is so important because we're social beings uh humans and they would then come to protest and they might recognize me from a podcast or from a speech or whatever. So they'd sort of make a beeline to me because they'd be like, oh, i recognize you, I'll stand with you, because I'm on my own. And I'd be like, yeah, stand with me. And then the next time you go to a protest in a month, they're there and there's about 40 people around them. And they've got, oh yeah, we've got a network group now. These girls are from the same village as I'm. I am i not even We lived at opposite end of the village for 20 years, we didn't even meet each other. How crazy is that? Turns out we're on the same page. Now we do coffee mornings, whatever. You know, these, these countless times this happened. And so people built networks, and they built tribes, and it was great. And and people, you can watch just the look of people; they just flourish. Their eyes have got more life in them. The skin looks better. Everything, um, because you know they've they're surrounded by people that they can make have a connection with, an emotional connection with, and have a conversation. Um, you know, I was listening to a podcast this morning in the gym. Actually, it was Jordan Peterson. It just it came on um, on thing, and I was just listening to it, and he was saying about you know. Someone say if they hadn't had a good conversation in five years, say take someone from five years, go f- you haven't had a good conversation in a month, right? Now say you haven't had a good conversation in five years, they won't be alive, and if they if they are still alive, they won't want to be, you know, because that's how important it is to have this interaction. And so, in terms of <clears throat> navigating what's coming, I think having a tribe of people that you can converse with and, and play off of and, and stuff is is so important. Very good, very good.
0: Well, sir, that, that's pretty much it for me on this end. Uh, what's next on the horizon for you in terms of uh, your research and truth-seeking activities?
1: Um, well, I'm looking into it at the minute. We, we had um, a lady called Louise Crefield, who's um, the founder of uh, an organization called Save Our Rights UK. She came on the Right Now show last week. Um, and it's very interesting because, you know, we have these conversations about how a social credit system is definitely what they want um, you know, Canada's slightly further down the line than us, I think, here in the UK. But within our within our laws, um, there's actually ten laws, um, sorry, sorry, seven laws, um, which basically would make a social credit system impossible. You couldn't you couldn't legally introduce one. One is GDPR. Um, there's also the um the um Bill of Human Rights here um that would make it impossible like i said there's another five laws on top of that um and between now and june next year the uk government is attempting to pass 10 bills which will eradicate all seven of those laws Mm. um which if passed by you know next summer you you could introduce a social credit system without any legal framework to block it um which i think is very interesting and very important to know so so that's something that we're kind of looking into at the minute um in terms of how to stop that and and you know how we can assist save our rights uk and and also you know whether this is going on in other countries i'm almost certain that you know if it's happening here um there will almost certainly be plans to to change the constitution in the us to block one as well um sorry to to, to basically block any blockage um that would, that would stand in the way of um of a social credit system so so that's interesting um and daunting, but, you know, it's one of those things. The more you can uncover, then and you can go to people and tell them. Because, you know, I can say to someone here in the street or in a pub or whatever, look, they want to introduce a social credit system, and they go, oh, do they? All right, okay. Okay, do, do you know what I mean? But then if you can go, trying, they want to introduce a social credit system, these are the seven laws that are blocking it, these are the ten bills that are taking. All of a sudden, that person is going to go, okay, okay. I'm, I'm a little bit more interested now, because actually you've backed up what you're saying. It's not just a buzzword or a buzz term you know you're you're backing it up with actually this is what they're doing so um be interested to see what happens with that very interesting
0: very interesting well uh I look forward to your coverage on that and clearly you know that is uh one of the great risks for uh citizens of the world that uh you know this type of system is enacted and and are our- Freedoms are really curtailed, and and uh, and that actually, I guess brings up a, a, another topic of which is you know this you mentioned sort of find your community, find your tribe. I mean we're we're getting into a situation now where whether these are parallel societies or parallel systems, um, we were there's probably going to be two potential groups of, of citizenry: one that's compliant, one that's not. And how are those non-compliers going to exist in some semblance of normalcy? Um, You know, right from acquiring basic needs like food and energy uh, to more, you know, elaborate things like restaurants, pubs, uh, shopping, etc. Oh, exactly.
1: Yeah, that's that's I think we'll we'll know more about that um, after this winter. Um, You know, uh, my dad said to me the other day, Actually, he said, do you think do you think that they'll um, the Brits will will buy it in terms of this COVID narrative? And, you know, I, I think they'll real struggle. I think if they could, they'd lock us down again and all that sort of stuff. But I think they really struggle here. And so I think the government, and I guess that would go for other governments as well, the worst possible thing is they try and introduce a law and the people say, yeah. and it's done then," because then the power dynamic is is out in the open and, and other people start thinking, oh, oh, hang on, actually, no, maybe the power is with us, so what else can we change, you know? Yeah. um they, they wanted to do that here not the christmas just gone but the one before they wanted to lock down for christmas they wanted to lock down and they kept polling and polling and polling and polling it was incessant the amount of polling and they were told in no uncertain terms stick it up your ass mate even people going look i've worn a mask for this back time i've had two jabs i'm done mate yeah and so they they couldn't close down christmas so they didn't and so everyone had their christmas with their families and, and whatever um and so we're at a fine line i think if the government think they can get away with implementing stuff they will um but um, but if they don't think they can get away with it, they won't. So it'd be, it's a bit, bit, bit of a test, I suppose. Okay. You know, a bit of a test this winter just to see how compliant everyone is. Well, you know, I guess fingers
0: crossed that um, that compliance isn't as great as it was uh, prior and that uh, there 's some pushback and resistance at least somewhere, because like you say, you know if the u k stands strong it 's going to be very difficult to implement that in Canada or america uh you know well well you know that citizenry said no we 're saying no um and, and that 's just it, you know people need to stand up
1: oh absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, um you know nonconformity spreads faster than any virus that 's for sure. Absolutely.
0: Well, sir, uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, if listeners wanted to learn more about you, where would I direct them?
1: Um, iconic.com, um, or, or com. I'm on, you know, all the social medias and stuff for now, but I always treat, you know, every day like it's my last cause obviously they'll, you know, they'll, they'll pull the trigger eventually, but, um, I'm on Getter as well. Um, just Getter forward slash Garethike, which I, which I use as a, The same as Twitter. I use them both. I tweet something, I put it on Getter. And so kind of, you know, it will be a seamless transition when Silicon Valley fires me out of a cannon. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, sir, fantastic. So thank you for your time. Uh, Appreciate all the work that you're doing. And uh, let's keep in touch. And uh, if you uh, want me on your show, just let me know.
1: Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And thank you uh, again for getting up crazy early for me. I appreciate that, mate. No worries, mate. Have a great day. Thank you. And you. Bye, mate. (laughs) Bye-bye.